The Ebony's and the Ivory podcast is a bi-weekly dialogue with Dr. Dejalon Jackson-Bell and Dr. Lakeitha Poole. Through the EITI podcast, we plan to promote our mission of dispelling myths, rewriting narratives, and championing women of color in higher education. All views expressed through this podcast are our own, do not represent any entity with which we are affiliated, and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit our website at www.ebonysintheivory.com. You are now tuned in to Ebony's in the Ivory. Welcome back to another episode of the Ebony's and the Ivory podcast. This is one of your hosts, Dr. Lakeitha Poole, and I'm here with my very lovely co-host, Dr. Dejalon Bell. Hi, everybody. So we are back for another episode. It's episode 16. Um, and because we're always pretty transparent with y'all, we're going to be honest and let y'all know that this is actually um, time number two. This episode... <laughs> This episode was so great, and we wanted to stick with the theme of navigating the terrain part two that we decided to record it twice. Um, um, and we actually didn't decide to record it twice. We're recording it again because of technology and life. And so just being able to know that, you know, things happen, but hopefully it'll be an even better episode since you guys will never get to hear the first one. Um it was great, I promise. It was like phenomenal. And this one's gonna be great too. This one's gonna be great. Um but yes, so we had to record all over again. Um but we hope that you'll enjoy it. So it's episode 16. Um as always make sure that you have subscribed and that you are following us on all of our social media platforms. So for the podcast itself, that's SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Um, and for social media to connect with us and see what we have going on, that's Instagram and Facebook at Ebony's in the Ivory, or follow us on Twitter at Ebbs in the Ivory. And then make sure you check out our website, www.ebonysintheivory.com, which is accessible on your phone to see everything that we have going on at once. So you don't have to go to all those different sites to see what's happening. So make sure that you um, check us out and stay connected. And with that, we are going to roll into our episode 16. Yes. So we'll continue in the conversation about navigating the terrain. This is part two. So part one, um, we discussed the differences between EDD and PhD. Um, this kind of wanted to cover some basics as it relates to the doctoral process and making sure that we're continuing to demystify the process. Um, especially for those who are first-generation students, or even if you weren't a first-generation student like me, and I'm actually a second-generation doctoral student, um, it's just some things that you have to learn on your own, um, even if, you know, you have, you know, family members who have access to make sure that we're demystifying something, um, we can create more 
this actual program for you, Anthony. So, um, again, we're going to talk about navigating uh, the terrain as it relates to online programs versus traditional programs versus business learning programs. And Dr. Poole and I are going to give um, our experience or share our experience about um, why we chose the structure, the program structure that we chose. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just jump right into it. So, um, typically, or I guess more common, um, is the traditional program, basically. So that's the brick and mortar program. Um, so we're going to go through and talk about, just like the blog, um, some advantages and disadvantages. So the advantages of traditional programs is, number one, the face-to-face interaction, um, like I said in the blog, this is one of the primary reasons why I chose to pursue a doctoral degree at a university, going to a university. Um, it's because I wanted to be able to interact with my professors and peers um, and engage in like learning in a space that we share together. Um, this is also because of accountability. I mean, y'all, y'all are going to get to hear the last episode. I'm scattering sometimes. <laughs> so I need it. I really am. Um, I have so much going on, on in my mind at all times. I really need that, that sense of accountability and the accountability piece. Um, so a traditional structure for me, um, and I can be detail-oriented in a sense um, in some places. And not other places, so I needed that accountability. Um, facilities, so this is a, a big deal. Um, I remember when I was going through my doctoral program, um, I would go to the student recreational center sometimes just to work out. You know, it was free for the student. Um, LSU has some nice facilities, and like they have even better facilities that I feel like we paid for when we were there. We're not even there anymore. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not even going to get on the soapbox. I, I'm, I feel some type of way about it, but whatever. I'm going to let that go. Um, but, um, you know, I would work out at the rec center, and one of my professors would be there every morning. And that class that was at the time would be in there playing racquetball. So, um, you know, that's excellent in itself. Um, to be able to play racquetball, I'm not a racquetball, I can't do that. Yeah, so I don't really know, like, a lot about racquetball, and I'm not really fond of, like, balls, like, flying towards me. But it was great because some of our, our classmates would, like, go and go play racquetball, and that was, like, another, like, point of access and an, another way to engage and build relationships mm-hmm. um, with our professors. Also, um, Dr. Poole and I have said this before, but... Um, we used to go post up in Middleton Library yeah. um, all the time, uh, especially in the study carol um, that Dr. Uh, Shonda Allen Mitchell would let us use because she was a faculty member. She would mm-hmm. let us use her study carol on the fourth, was it the fourth floor. Yep, shout out to her. And the stacks. <laughs> shout out to, to Dr. Allen Mitchell. Um, and that was like a great space for us to be able to utilize. So um, being able to use facilities, um, when you're you're going through a traditional program, definitely um, could be seen as a benefit. Definitely. Um, and then lastly, more options. So um, typically um, on a campus, um, you have the opportunity um, to, you know, choose what degree program you would like and more degree program programs are offered um, traditionally versus online. 
Um, some disadvantages to traditional programs would be, um, of course, inflexibility of course offerings and the times which courses uh, meet. So um, I know that's a big one for online learners is that you know you have the opportunity to choose when you're going to go to school, when you're going to do your work, um, and that's not really the case if you're you're attending um, a brick and mortar campus. Mm-hmm. The addition of external stressors is also a disadvantage, um, such as transportation and parking. So, like, I mean, if you ever, if you live in Baton Rouge or you ever lived in Baton Rouge, you know what the traffic is looking like. A mess. Um, It's a mess. A hot (laughs) mess. And I know I don't live in Baton Rouge anymore, but I know it was bad when I was there and I heard it's like 10 times worse. I mean, I go back all the time and it's like terrible. Yeah, there's too many people living here. Too many people. Way too many people. (laughs) They didn't anticipate that. Right. Um, But, and then LSU parking. So, um, you know, going to campus, like LSU has easy streets um, to protect pedestrians. So, if the easy streets don't go up at the time that they're supposed to go up, you don't have anywhere to park if your, if your class is starting at 4.30. So, it's been plenty of times where, you know, the easy street did not go up when it was supposed to, and I'm late for class, and, like, you walk in, like, 20 minutes later, your professor is, like, sad on you, like, why are you late to my class? You're like, I've been here. It's the easy street, so um, <laughs> that definitely, like those externals, not having to worry about those external stresses is definitely, um, or worrying about them is a disadvantage. Um, and then also being locationally bound. So uh, when I was pursuing a doctoral program, I got I got engaged while I was pursuing my program, and um, I I wanted to kind of move and see um, if I could find a job because I knew my program was coming to a close. If I could move and, you know, try to find a job um, while I was in Beverly so I could, it could be a smooth transition. Um, but that was, I couldn't really do that um, because I was locationally bound. Um, and then, lastly, possible additional costs for the use of campus resources. So, um, again, like at LSU, like you got to pay you know, like a tech fee, a student rec fee, transportation fee, fee, transportation fee, a building fee, mm-hmm. just fees. So you're not fees. really charged. So just fees, just a lot of fees. <laughs> but you're not really charged those fees per se if you attend online campus and on. I mean, online program because um, you're not there physically. Um, so I mean, they can't really charge you for that. Um, so then jumping into um, online learning, um, you know, over the years, online learning has really gained traction, um, mm-hmm. as it should, especially with public and private, not private, uh, nonprofit universities. I mean, private universities, um, probably are like the forerunners in online learning, um, but public institutions, um, and nonprofit institutions, uh, have kind of, you know, follow suit because it's lucrative. I mean, you don't have to really spend your resources or be spent in the resources that you offer and you can still charge tuition and all of that. And, you know, your, your uh, faculty don't have to physically be there, but there's still two courses. It's just a win-win. Mm-hmm. Um, so online learning has really, there's been an uptick um, in, you know, campuses and universities and institutions that have um, begun to offer online learning uh, for students. 
So some benefits, um, just like you said, flexibility. Um, online learning is more conducive to a busy schedule. Um, that may include familiar and career options. Um, if you have a family, if you have kids, you want to stay at home, or you like have um, you know your work uh, requires you to um, have a certain schedule. Um, online learning definitely um, can be a benefit to those who have who deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, mobility. So, um, a change in daily structure or daily schedule um, or location will not disrupt enrollment. So, you can move to like the Bahamas if you like and still get your degree. <laughs> I would um, like to. Not, right, right. I mean, that'd be great. Um, because you know you're not locationally bound. Um, and then convenience. So, of course, online learning is convenience in the sense that um, you can learn from home, you can learn in your pajamas, um, you know, you can set up your courses or your degree plan the way that you would like, and you don't have to deal with some of those external stresses like worrying about finding somewhere to park or um, learning, worrying about traffic or things of that nature. Um, also, pace setting. So, you know, as an online learner, typically... You can learn at your own pace. Um, you're not necessarily affected or distracted by others' learning style or their pace. And this is also good. Um, and I'm glad we have to re-record because I didn't get to say this the last time. But this is also good for people who have social anxiety. If you mm-hmm. have anxiety about, I know, right? I know. If you have anxiety <laughs> about being around people or speaking in front of class um, or anything of that nature, um, online learning can still help you um, to get the degree that you may have always wanted, but um, you didn't know how to overcome that. So um, that definitely is an advantage for online learning. And then lastly, cost. In some cases, not in all cases, in some cases, um, tuition may be lower for online learning again because you don't have to pay those fees and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, some perceived disadvantages. Might be the missed opportunity to interact face to face with the campus environment um, on, a consist- on a consistent basis, um, and the opportunity to build solid relationships with cohort members and peers, and um, you know, just people on campus. Um, building experience this is a big one through um, graduate assistantships and um, being a TA and things of that nature. Um, Especially like in higher ed, like in the study of higher education, um, graduate assistantships are a big deal mm-hmm. um, because you know you're gaining on you know on campus experience or on the job experience per se. Um, so not having that opportunity um, can you know be a disadvantage. Um, also, having to rely on technology as a sole medium of communication. So clearly, we're re-recording this. So technology is faulty. Like Fails. Faulty it's a major it. fail. Right? Um, <laughs> so, you know, you got to make sure that your Wi-Fi is working and you're in a place where, like, you know, your technology um, is the best that it can be. And that your hard drive um, doesn't hate you. Yes. Or, your, or your hard drive doesn't, like, you know, mm-hmm. those things. So, yeah, um, <laughs> you salty. <laughs> So, and then lastly, the increased need for personal accountability and self-discipline and motivation. Um, you're not really going to get as much of that 
um, in an online program. So making sure that um, you have that intrinsic motivation. If you're not good at that, online learning probably is not is not for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in undergrad we had to take a. I mean, and this is undergrad. Like I'm, you know, clearly way more mature than this. But we had to take a library science class. We didn't have to, but it was like an option. Like, oh, you know, online course. I have to go to class. And like me being me, me being like seventeen years old, um, in college, like it's like okay. And like I waited like literally to like the end of the semester to like do all my assignments, and it was like super stressful. And I was just like, yeah, it's probably not for me. Now I know that like now I can manage myself mm-hmm. better. But um, if you can't manage yourself, I mean, it's kind of like the dissertation process because there really, there really isn't a schedule. Yeah. If you can't schedule, make your own schedule. If you can't meet your own deadlines, it's gonna be rough. Um, so keeping that in mind. Um, so we talked about online learning. We talked about you know going through a traditional doctoral degree program. Um, but what we haven't talked is. Uh, talked about is distance learning and basically distance learning um could be considered like a hybrid of the two like the the where the two meet in the middle Mm -hmm. um so distance learning entails both an online component and um also an interactive component um some students may log into a virtual classroom at set times a week um and interact with their peers and faculty um, while other programs have pre-scheduled symposiums, um, which most people call residencies, um, and they serve as checkpoints throughout matriculation, um, where student cohorts can meet with faculty members and put names to faces and face names and um, have the opportunity to mingle and work together during those times um, in which residencies are pre-scheduled. Um, so, you know, this is kind of seen as the best of best of both worlds. Distance learning is. Um, so, what I want to know, Doctor Pula, you know, doing my little spiel, mm-hmm. um, what factors played into selecting the doctoral program that you chose? Yeah, um, I think obviously the main ones that you pointed out, and a few other just like personal things. So, I did do a distance program. Um, and I loved it. I loved the flexibility. I loved um, feeling a part of a cohort still, though, because we did have residencies. Um, and so being able to sort of create the kind of for me, perfect combination of getting the type and quality of learning that I wanted, the experience interpersonally that I wanted, but also to always have the option that um, for my life away from school with a job, if I wanted to move or if things just change, um, I wouldn't have a disruption in being able to pursue my degree because of that. And so, um, I really lean more towards that when I was searching, um, because I, I just needed to find something that really fit. And I mean, I think one of the big pieces as well, and this is for everybody, no matter which setting you choose, is like, make sure that you understand the dynamics in terms of the program that you're pursuing. So for me, mm-hmm. having um, an accredited program, a KCREP accredited program, so mm-hmm. for all my counselors listening, you guys know what that is. But for those of you who maybe are in a different field, um, just making sure whatever your area of expertise is, that that school that you choose, whether it's online, distance, or face-to-face, 
Um, yeah. Making sure that you have checked that out because ultimately it'll do you no good to have more time and flexibility on your hands and um, you actually get to the end of a degree program and can't do what you really need to do with it because of um, the accrediting piece. So that for me was really big. And so that's kind of how I started the search. Like I went straight to the accrediting board and then there was a list of um, schools that had the program and that were accredited. And then I was able to filter those by, you know, online distance or in our face-to-face. And so um, started to take a look. And at the time, Regent University, where I attended, which is in Virginia Beach, Virginia, um, was one of maybe two at the time that had counselor ed um, distance programs. I think there are more now. I don't know how many more, but I think they definitely have more available, more options for people. Um, okay. And so that for sure was just the the game changer. Because at that time, while Dr. Bell and I had agreed that we were going to start our PhDs in 2013, we didn't, or I didn't have a plan beyond that for like jobs or, <laughs> or any of that stuff. And so I just, from the beginning was like, I might not stay here. We were both working at LSU at the time. And I was like, you know, I might not be here. Like, I don't know. I might not want to stay here. Um, and so making sure that I chose something that gave me flexibility. And also LSU did not have counselor ed, a uh, doctoral program at the time. So had they had it, I would have totally done it because I was already there. But um, it was more about the convenience and the personal part for me that made the difference when I was choosing. Yeah. Um, I think the same for me is that you have to know. um, And I I mean, you don't really have to know the end goal per se, um, but you need to know what factors are going to play into the end goal. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Um, I knew like what I wanted to do is well, I didn't know. I don't say that, but I knew kind of what I wanted to do as far as career was concerned. Um, and I kind of knew what, how I wanted to get there. Um, you talked about, you know, being able to, um, you know, figure out like I needed something that's accredited. You know, I need something that is flexible. Like for me personally, um, I had already decided I didn't want to pay any more. Um, in student loans. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to. I didn't want to have any student loans, um, and that's just a personal choice for me. Um, so I went where essentially the money was. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I also was not necessarily ready to leave that rouge at the time. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I, you know, I was able to to pursue the degree that you know I wanted to do it and and still be able to. Um, stay in Baton Rouge. It wasn't time for me to leave yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so LSU worked out for me again um, in both of those capacities. Um, do you have any cons to your choice? Um, well, I, I mean, I totally have cons. We've talked about on the show that, but they have nothing yeah. to do with the format of the program. Um, right. They are definitely much more tied to people and <laughs> um, and experiences um, that come with part of the reason why we started Ebony's in the Ivory. So right. we can save that for another episode. But um, I think maybe if I had to just like choose something that maybe would be different would be to have more experiences around um, coming together together as a whole. So I was fortunate in that I connected 
with two people who are two of my closest friends now. Um, one lives in New Jersey and the other lives in Atlanta. And one, well, she was living in Alabama when we met and she moved to Atlanta during our program. And so um, we were very intentional as friends of making sure that we connected. We, you know, they came to visit here. We went to Atlanta, like, and, and Jersey, actually. We went to all three places while we were in our program um, just to sort of make sure that we stayed connected and had that still, um, you know, cohort kind of love between us, but also the support that we needed. And so for us, that, sometimes that meant while studying or while doing other things, we were using Google Hangouts and all that to just really connect. So I think if anything, it would be kind of like you pointed out, some of the drawbacks of doing like a distance or an online program is you don't have that sort of daily present motivation um, mm-hmm. like you would in sitting in class with your classmates or something like that. And so that is why if you decide to go that route, um, you still do need sort of your in-person folks. And y'all have heard us shout out some of those people who have been that for us. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. for me, for sure, Dr. Bell was like my accountability partner and having mm-hmm. such a flexible program because we had structure around when we were writing and when we were meeting and when we were doing things. So um, that added a layer that I had a lot more freedom to just kind of do what I want. But had I used that freedom, I you might not be calling me Dr. Poole right now. So um, <laughs> it would just took me pro- it probably took me longer. Um, and so, you know, just that would be, again, not something that I think was bad, but that, you know, if you can find other ways to um, increase your um, interpersonal connections, if you're in a yeah. distance or an online program uh, to really do that. I, I love what you said about that because I think that's so important. And I know, like, in the previous recording, um, <laughs> you talked about, uh, you know, even, like, with us, like, our first full year, probably almost full year of our master's program, like, we were cordial, we were cool, but we weren't really, like, friends, friends. Mm-hmm, um, I mm-hmm. think we had gone to, like, you know, outings or whatever, mm-hmm. but we weren't, like, Friends, because that's just how both of us are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> delayed. <laughs> we just not really friendly, Bob. It's like that's just nope, that's um, just not us. We just we slow we slow to warm up. We get better. We are. We are. And that's okay because <laughs> uh, we made it this far. But um. <laughs> Like, you know, we were able to develop that relationship, um, you know, year two. And then, of course, that has continued and progressed. Um, but, like, interpersonal skills and, like, knowing, like, like you can't you can't do that in a PhD program. Yeah. Like, we didn't know that now. We didn't know that then, but we know that now. You can't do that. Like, you have to be diligent about making relationships because you're not going to survive on your own. You're not. Like, there's no way. There's no way we would we would have been able to do what we did without support. There's mm-hmm. no way. Mm-hmm. And not just, like, faculty support, but, like, peer support. Peer support, yeah. There's absolutely no way we could have did it because, like, legit, like, we both, it's, it's tiring. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are times where we were like, man, I'm about to go home and go to sleep. Like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shoot, like, Look at the weight on me. Uh-huh. I, mean, I am about to look dusty. In front of her. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I would have the I same experiences. Same yeah, yeah, like I would. Thing. We both, and I mean, we've shared this on the show, but we both were working full time, so we would have long days. Like we were both yeah. working as counselors, and like that's draining. And so we would get to the end of the day sometimes, and I'm like, um, yeah. I really want to meet, and like you know, both 
just her being intuitive and probably the Lord um, letting her know that yeah. she, this girl about to like quit on you today. So yeah, Dr. Yeah. Bell, Dr. Bell will call and be like, Hey, I'm stopping to pick up snowballs. Like, what do you want? You know, and that would then make me be like, All right, well, I guess we're doing right. this. So yeah, having that accountability for me for sure made a huge difference. So, um, you have to, you have to pursue that. Like, you have to be diligent about making relationships. Um, and if you, like, you might need to, you know, check out your options if you, if that's, if that's not the type of person, um, that you are. You, I think you really have to do some, and we didn't know this, but now that we know, of course, we're going to share with y'all everything that we know. Um, <laughs> so doing some soul searching and some introspection is so key mm-hmm. before you do a doctoral program. It doesn't matter if it's counseling, it doesn't matter if it's physics or chemistry or shoot, if you're getting a J, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, because any one of those processes is going to expose you. Um, yeah. And we need to talk about that. Uh, we also let me put this on wax because we did say in our previous recording <laughs> we that we're going to talk about um, like support in the workplace, mm-hmm. like you know, from a career standpoint, how that looks when you're you're going through the doctoral process. Because we both work full time, and that's something yeah. else. That's a whole totally yeah. That's a whole other conversation. So we... I'm just putting it on wax right now. <laughs> yeah, we, we need, need to, to talk, talk about, about it. That. Um. So, um, lastly, um, what advice do you have for Ebony's, uh, who are kind of on the fence about what program structure, um, to choose? Um, definitely do your research so that you can choose, um, the best option for you. So like we've talked Mm -hmm. about kind of our circumstances in that, you know, we, both were in a place where, you know, we had jobs, so we're working full time. So that was a stability there, but also knowing that at any time, um, cause both of us are always on the job hunt, no matter what. Uh, um, and we've always, and we've always been that way. And even with always. jobs, we stay on the job hunt. Doesn't so matter. it doesn't I, I'm matter. I'm pretty sure if we have our dream jobs, like we still, uh, we're yeah. still gonna look like yeah. we're still gonna look. It's, it's happened. It's happened. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like last month, but so, yeah, yeah. so, <laughs> yeah. So just being able to like do your research so that you can figure out what's the best fit for you. Um, really do an assessment of like your life circumstances. So kind of like Dr. Bell just pointed out, like we both were working full time and we had, you know, um, supervisors who were supportive and who were flexible as well. Like, because one of the things, particularly if you're thinking about distance program that, Dr. Bell pointed out too, is like, there's still a lot of structure. So I still had class at, you know, 4.30 for three hours, um, you know, at whatever time. But I also had to then realize like, dang it, my school is in Eastern time zone. So I'm in, you know, uh, Central time zone. And so it just, there's, there's a lot to it. So just make sure you're ready for that. Um, So while it comes with a lot of flexibility, it takes a lot um, to be more organized. Whereas with online programs, you have more flexibility where you might just have yeah. kind of like asynchronous posts and, um, mm-hmm. they're due by a certain date and that's kind of it. There's no like engagement around that, uh, like with class times and all. You may watch a recorded lesson whenever you want in your free time. Um, so, you know, there, there are just differences. So like just do your research, gain understanding, ask questions. Obviously, that's why we're doing this episode so that, 
right. there are things about our experiences that you want to know more about to do that. But if you also have connections with other people who taken a different route or um, have done that, then I think, you know, you definitely should, especially for those of you who are looking at more of the non-traditional routes like distance or online um, and you haven't done it before because I was one of those people. Both of my prior degrees were um, brick and mortar. And so knowing that I had to make an adjustment and gain understanding and get myself organized um, greatly um, mattered. But again, having the right boss, having the flexibility in my role, doing my research, allowed me to pick the right program, not perfect program in that Everything went well because again, that's Did how we. program perfect. No, that's true. It's it's just not happening. Um, but it was the it was the right one for me based on my life circumstances at the time. So just do your research, ask questions, give yourself permission to like explore. Don't box yourself into one particular type just because you you know that's all you know. Um, you know, I definitely feel like branching out benefited me. Um for the role that I had at the time and then ultimately led right as I was finishing my degree to the role I have now. And so it was perfect timing in that. And had I maybe not done it that way, it might've looked really different. I might've picked up and moved or like just other things could have changed. So just do your research, ask questions, be confident um, about what you you're asking for. And then obviously, like I said earlier, like make sure your program is the right program and that they have what right. you need to be successful. Um, because you do see with some of the like for-profit institutions that have online programs, they were things in a very particular way to make you think um, you're getting one type of degree and you, and you won't, I'm not going to put a, a program on blast that I just heard about from a student, but um, oh, you're gonna tell me that yeah, I'm going to tell but you. No, but. Absolutely. Um, Cause <laughs> even when I was doing my research for this, blog post um i saw some things and i was like mm, mm-hmm. sketchy sketchy, I don't sketchy. Know about that yeah. you know so um and like in the vein of doing your research like do your tuition research so mm-hmm. like a lot of online programs um or business learning programs they have you know you call and ask um how much is uh how much do you guys um uh, require per credit mm-hmm. hour mm-hmm. and they'll tell you you can calculate it and see you know how much you're going to have to pay and if that fits in with your budget or it doesn't or if you you know if you figure that out ahead of time you can start researching scholarships we have a blog and a podcast um, episode on scholarships mm-hmm. and funding mm-hmm. and fellowships and all that um, so if you have questions about that check that out that's one of the first ones that we did yep. um, but just like being prepared um that's the most important thing. Yeah, You're, definitely. You know, pursuing whatever kind of structure. So hopefully, you know, we kind of gave you guys some information that you can work with. And again, if you have any questions, feel free to hit us up. You can DM us. You can hit us up in our comments. You can email us, whatever. Um, and we'll, we'll be happy to answer any questions that you may have about, um, you know, program structure and, you know, just degree programs in general. Um, So we're going to go to a quick break and we'll be back with our signature segment.
everybody, we're back with our signature segments and what y'all missed from this previous week. I know we keep talking about this, but y'all know I can't say culture corner. Like, y'all know I can't. I just said it right. But, like, it was a big thing. It was a big um, thing. So, um, I decided that, you know, I was going to kind of say it with, a, like, a, a lazy New Orleans accent. Mm-hmm, you got um, to. You know, I got people, my family from New Orleans, too. So, I was going to do, like, the lazy culture corner. Culture um, corner. Situation. Yeah. Like, like, like Dr. Poole does. But I think <laughs> I said it, like, culture corner. Like, mm-hmm. I articulated that well. You got um, it. So, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll try to. I'll try to keep it, um, you know, try to do better. But yeah, it was a mess. <laughs> it was a hot mess. It gave us a good um, laugh, though. It was, it was good. So it is. <laughs> so this week, um, for Culture Corner, we're going to talk about the college admission scandal. Whoopcha! Mm, um, mm, mm. The ghetto. The ghetto. The ghetto. <laughs> Okay, so basically, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've been under a rock. Yeah. Um, because not only has it rocked like the higher ed world, but just like you know, entertainment, um, in general, just just the news. It's, it's been on the news cycle for I don't know how long. Um, but basically, 50 people, and they probably are finding more at this point. Um, including Hollywood stars, top CEOs college coaches, standardized um, test administrators and proctors um, took part in a grand scheme um, to cheat on tests um, and they admit to students um, or they admit to admitting students under the guise of being athletes when they were not mm-hmm. um, as a means to get them uh, accepted into institutions, big name institutions, USC, uh, Yale, um, Stanford. I don't want to put that on Stanford if that's not right. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but just like a big name institutions. It was eight of them. I don't remember all of them. Um, but the mastermind was William Rick Singer, um, who just told it all. Um, when he got caught, he just, he told it all. Um, <laughs> canary, so canary. He, he could just, <laughs> You know, my kids call it dry snitching. Like, he, he was dry snitching. <laughs> um, but he allegedly told prospective clients that he created a side door. And he did this through a foundation that he had set up. Like, it was like a charitable situation. It was fun. That is so scandalous. Um, so, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, for wealthy families to get their children in the top U.S. colleges. Um, and he was paid roughly $25 million um, by those parents. Um, elite parents to help their students get into elite schools. Um, so now they're saying that the students could possibly be charged. At this point, they just released, I think they um, charged another 14 um, parents with additional charges, including Aunt Becky. So Aunt Becky, um, i.e., um, what's her name? Lori Laughlin. Yeah. And uh, Felicity Huffman, which is from Desperate Housewives, and Aunt Becky is from Fuller House and Fuller House and the Hallmark Channel, which they've exed her out of. Um, Ooh. Ooh. She lost buku jobs. That's unfortunate. Well, um, so the universities are responding kind of in similar ways and also different ways. So, for instance, USC, which is kind of at, at the epicenter of all this madness, um, they fired their. Uh, Senior assistant athletic director. Um, she lost all those coins. 
And her, the water polo, because you know she's no one. The water polo coach, um, they were charging a scheme for, um, you know, they, they went so far as to like create like high school profiles, um, lie about skills, lie about camps that the kids had some sports camps that the students had supposedly, supposedly attended. Mm-hmm. Um, just they so took crazy. pictures with the students doing the sports and they had the students had never played those sports before. Like it was ridiculous. Um, and USC specifically also placed a faculty member on leave um, because they were also indicted. Um, the school now plans to use any money they received um, or will receive um, in connection with the scheme or the alleged scheme to fund scholarships for underprivileged students. Um, the university is also conducting a review for enrolled students. So they're trying to decide like what they're going to do with students who are currently enrolled, um, who participated in the scheme, as well as um, students who are going through the admissions process. Um, actually, so now they're revoking um, the admission or de- denying the admission. Um, for those students who are currently in the admission cycle, they have to decide what they're going to do about the enrolled students. I'm um, deciding if students knew or if they don't, if they didn't know, and whether that even matters um, as, you know, the integrity of enrollment, um, you know, has been affected. Um, and they can't really say too much because of FERPA, um, but... I mean, it's just, it's just like a big deal. It's like unprecedented. Yeah. Not to say that this, this hasn't happened before, which I know it has, but I don't think it has ever come to light, um, in this grand of a scale as, you know, it currently has. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Dr. Poole, what you think about this? Um, this is ghetto. So, I just feel like, you know, it's very frustrating for, ten, for for a couple of different reasons, right? Like, and you and I have had conversations about this and we had a whole episode already oh, when we talked about this. Um, and this idea around, you know, the criticism that often happens around things like affirmative action and, mm-hmm. um, just in general with the, the, the numbers around, you know, students of color who are admitted to universities, particularly, you know, universities like the ones that are a part of this scandal mm-hmm. that are pretty prestigious and you have, um, People like Yara Shahidi and Malia Obama, who, you know, in spite of who they are and who their parents might be, worked really hard to do well. They still worked hard, right? In spite of, um, and did it the right way, applied, waited to hear back, you know, and, and like a normal student to get that college experience anyway. That's one of the most exciting things about that process. And so, um, to sort of feel that you just can go above, um, or outside of, I won't even say, I was going to say above, um, the standard, but that's outside of the standard. Um, and that rules don't apply to you is like the highest and ultimate form of what privilege looks like. And yes. I just think it's trash. Like, I just it's trash. Think- and it's very mediocre. Yeah. Which that reminded me of, um, I saw a video the other day about Aoki, um, Lee Simmons, who mm-hmm. is Kamora Lee Simmons and Russell Simmons' daughter. Um, and I know, like, she was, like, she, at first I think she wanted to go to Yale, um, mm-hmm. but she got accepted into Harvard, which is one of her, like, top three schools that she wanted to attend. Mm-hmm. And, like, Kimora videotaped or videoed um, her getting her acceptance letter, and, like, she was bawling 
she was mm-hmm. like, I worked so hard for this, like, come more in the background, like, no, we didn't pay nobody off for this. <laughs> um, she worked her behind off for this. She's going, I think she's 16 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to be going to Harvard. And, you know, despite, you know, her mother being a super model mm-hmm. um, and being one of the first minority faces for the house of Chanel and Carl Lagerfeld, um, and her dad, of course, you know, being, you know, who he is behind mm-hmm. Def Jam and all of that. Um, she still worked her behind off. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, it's like you said, it's a slap in the face. It's a slap in the face to those who say, you know, affirmative action is racist and, um, you know, we're, you know, we're doing, we're not doing things on merit. And this is clearly like, um, the opposite of merit. Um, mm-hmm. and even like, um, the daughter of, you know, Jeffrey talked about the daughter of Lori Laughlin and her not even wanting to go to school and, yeah. um, her parents kind of forcing her to go to school and that's not what she wanted to do. She wanted to be like a an influencer and a fashionista and a blogger and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you essentially taking spots from students that want to be there. Who, Absolutely. Who, who and who work to be the there. Sweat, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the sweat equity to do that and they didn't get a spot because you got the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and you didn't want to be there. Yeah. Um, and, and even taking walk- people's like athletic scholarships and roles right. and like that's crazy. Like people who have trained and been disciplined all their life. Their like I just life. don't even. That's just so disrespectful. Yeah, it's trash. Um, so we're gonna see how this plays out. Mm. You know, I've been reading the tea. Um, you know, some of the actresses have you know pled guilty and they're up to like four to ten months. Well, um, supposedly in jail and have to pay restitution. Except for like um, Becky, like supposedly like she did not enter a plea deal, and she's like not understanding how big this is. But, you know, when you're privileged, yeah, you, know, you, you can't really, see it. Yeah, you really can't see so too. Yeah. you know, and rarely do privileged people ever ever get the hammer. Um, but when you do get it, you like, wait, how do we get here? So <laughs> I'm in no way wishing you know um, harm on anybody. Um, justice, you know, we always want justice to be served right. the right way. That's right. Um, but no, in no way am I wishing that, you know, she gets the hammer or anything like that. But just interesting um, to see how universities in the future are going to respond um, as it pertains to, like, admission, things like that. Yeah, definitely. It's um, true so scandal. Yeah. How to it get away a, with college scandal. admissions. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know. University, which is a nonprofit online university. 
Um, so um, she didn't even tell me. I had to find out like a kind of, she was kind of let it spill one day in the group chat. And I was like, wait, what the heck? Like, what do you mean? And she was like, I didn't want to tell you because I'm trying to figure things out. And I'm like, yeah, but you need me to be, we need to be accountable, you know, yeah. to each other. Like, that's the point is we want to create a tribe where we can all be accountable and we can all celebrate. Um, and when things are hard, like I know the other day, you know, her computer crashed too. And I was like, see, like, that's why you need to be telling me stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, that can, so that we can work through that and so that you can feel supported. But Chastity, we met in 2005, summer 2005, when we both um, were accepted into LSU's summer scholars program. Um, so we've been friends ever since. Um and I just love her so much. Like, that's my, my baby mother, y'all. That's, that's like my, we call each other BM. Um, but like, she's so accomplished and I'm so proud of her. And she's so humble about it. Um, she currently is an assistant principal of instruction, um, and mentorship academy in Baton Rouge. Um, and she initially started there as an English teacher and she kind of worked her way up, um, among the ranks. So she worked her way, um, to being an English academic coach in 2014. Um, and then in 2018, she was promoted to assistant principal. Um, and she has some other great things happening, um, that I'll be happy to share in the future. Um, and she played a huge role in helping mentorship ascend from F status to one of the top ranking high schools in the city of Baton Rouge. They have a really cool campus, um, downtown, uh, right in the heart of Baton Rouge, right, um, near the state capitol and stuff. So they're doing really big things there. Um, and while she, you know, engages more with teachers now, um, she still has a heart for her kids. I see it on her Snapchat and Instagram all the time. Like, kids are always like, I love you so much, Miss George. And mm-hmm. I've had an opportunity to speak to mentorship kids before. Um, I did a career um, and job search workshop for them once. And they were just all singing her praises. Um, and she continues to main those support, maintain those supportive relationships even after students have graduated. Um, she's married to her husband, Nicholas, and she is the mother of my child, Lena. <laughs> and it's funny because she was, she was my bridesmaid, bridesmaid, so she was um, nine months pregnant, ten months pregnant, basically, two months pregnant. Um, and Lena, like, she had Lena, like, two days after my wedding, and when she had, I was like, oh, my God, like, did I push you too hard in the wedding? Like, this is my fault. And Lena came just a tad bit early. Um, she's like, yeah, it's your fault. Um, but no, like, I, I salute you and, like, celebrate you. Yes. Um, she also, I forgot to mention this. She also, she has a, um, another daughter, Ava, who's 11. And she has a special daughter, um, Ariana Williams. And I remember when, and I said this in the last recording, um, Ari was a senior when her mom passed away. And she didn't really have much support. And Chess was in her 20s. And she literally took Ari in as if she was her own child um, and provided for her and supported for, supported her. And it was a big deal. Because, like, I mean, what were we doing when we were 20? Like, we right, were making right, ourselves. Like, right. I remember when she was on it, I was like, awesome. we're still kids. Um, but she's always had, like, that nurturing and, like, motherly personality. Um, so, um, I, you know, we're, we're here to celebrate you and shine a light. And we're so excited to see, you know, what you continue to do. Um, and, and the strides that you will continue to make. Um, today she had on Facebook, 
Um, she has a rich man because she comes from a long line of educators, y'all. Like, she's like fifth generation teacher. Um, and she had a rich man today. I saw it on Facebook and it said, the humble takeover. Um, so she's always been very humble, but very much so about her business. Um, and I know that's carrying into your doctoral program and what you're going to do with that degree and the lives that you're going to affect and change. Um, so super proud of you. We're yeah, super proud of you. So proud um, of you. We congratulate you and um, we're excited to see what you keep doing. So congrats, Jack. Yes, you are our Ebony's in the spotlight. So congratulations, Chastity. I know I said I'm out for it, but we're proud. Um, so this kind of is the end of our episode, Dr. Poole, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the second um, time. For the second time. <laughs> hopefully, you know, we, we gave you guys some good info um, that you can use. Um, and we just want to thank you again for always, you know, supporting us and tuning in and commenting and reposting. And, um, you know, you guys have been amazing um, within our tribe. We really appreciate it. Um, please make sure that you're on the lookout for um, Ebony's, um, what am I saying? EIT Tuesdays, excuse mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Um, every Tuesday. Um, almost every Tuesday, like every Tuesday. Yeah, where, there's always uh, something every Tuesday. Yeah, something every Tuesday. Um, some sort of content, something to get you going throughout the week. Um, and keep us all focused on, you know, our goals and you know, our purposes. Um, so make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe to all of the social media accounts that Dr. Poole mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Um, and please make sure that you submit. Um, your fellow EITI accomplishments for the spotlight. Um, mm-hmm. We want to make sure again we're celebrating um, and championing um, all of all of you guys who are doing great things. Yes. Um, and you know we'll see you next time. So thank you guys, and hope you guys have a great week. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.